Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. We're in um, the series, Save My City. I got it wrong. I was like, it's Save Our City, right? Save This City? No, Save My City. So this series is all about taking the focus off ourselves and getting it on where it should be, right? The, the church exists not for its members, but for the people outside that are not members. And so we have so many opportunities this month from Twisted to Night of Christmas to just the many amount of services that we can um, just bring people to and that we have to keep that in mind. Um, so I'm excited for this series. But before I go any further, I do need to honor Pastor Matt and Loren. Uh, without you guys, without your yes, uh, there would be no us here, <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> it's because you are a, pe a yes people, a people that uh, despite offenses, despite circumstances, despite hurts, you've continued to say, God, whatever you want of me. And because of that, you're saying yes. The, the Salt Lake City is now reaping the fruits of what you guys bring. So we love you guys. You guys are amazing. Um, can't say enough about you guys. Um, so the, the, title, uh, the title of my message tonight is the, the Rorschach Heart. And so, oh, I hear a whoa. What is oh. Oh, that's not Rorschach. I thought we were going to get a Rorschach. All right. So for those of you who don't know what a Rorschach uh, is, it's a test. Okay? It's a series of ink blots that uh, they use in psychiatry um, to kind of like assess where somebody is at mentally. So they will open up the Rorschach, and it's just this random ink block, and they're like, what do you see? Hmm, do you see a butterfly? Do you see a bat? Do you see Joe Biden? What? No. <laughs> so, but depending on their answers, right, can tell you a lot about them. And, uh, you know, I'm sure Jeffrey Dahmer got his ink blood test. <laughs> so this test doesn't come without controversy and criticisms because it's a little subjective. It's a little like maybe they had pizza the night before. I don't know. Maybe they had a bad dream. Who knows? Um, but the, this thought came through my head that in some ways we are the same. When we see life, we see it through a lens, Right? And so when we, we picture God, we picture him through a lens. We, it's through our circumstances, our upbringings, our, um, just what life has dealt us, whether we had a father or not. Many different factors can, can determine how we see God. And so I, I think it was from this stage, somebody uh, mentioned this quote and, uh, from A.W. Tozer. And I, in a lot of ways, I feel like this quote is exactly that Rorschach test for us in our hearts. And so it says, what comes into our minds when we think about God 
is the most important thing about us. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. So I'll peel the, peel the veil back a little further. I'm going to take you guys deeper into the, the Scotty Husserow story. Um, so I grew up in Detroit. I'm from Michigan. I grew up on 8 Mile. Name it and claim it. Yeah. And uh, my family, they were, they were, they were Christians. And um, they were, uh, how I could say, they were a little hot and cold sometimes. And I didn't find out till later when I was like, why were we always in grandma and grandpa's house? Or uh, my oma and opa. This is the German family, yeah. Um, <clears throat> and, and, and I found out, I was like, oh, because your father and I were partying every weekend during that time. I was like, oh, that makes sense. <laughs> and so, but we did grow in a Christian home. We were taken to church. We did love God. It was a charismatic church. Uh, we loved, you know, tongues, praying for people, healings, miracles. Um, but it was kind of like the faith of my parents, you know. And uh, I knew about God, but I didn't know him. And so we had, uh, it's kind of like my junior high years and high school years is where I kind of just totally rejected God. And I decided I was going to see what the world had to offer. What you got, world, huh? What you got? I see it. I see it on the, the movies. I see it in, in 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 the rap music. It sounds pretty good. I want some of that, right? So, my first ever introduction into like hardcore rap was my friend comes over and he's like, "Dude, you got to hear this." And I'm like, "What?" And he's like, "It's rap and like ninjas." And I'm like, "What?" And he plays for me the Wu Tang Clan. Raw, I'ma give it to you with no trivia. Raw like cocaine straight from Bolivia. My hip hop anthems are rock and shock the nation. All right, I need to get saved. I need to get saved. <laughs> yeah. So it's beginning to shape my worldview, okay? Um, so, like I said, junior high, high school was completely just living apart from God. It's drugs, girls, language, like sex, like everything that I wasn't supposed to be doing, I was diving into. And, um, but I can't tell you that I was a, a happy kid during those times. I was actually probably depressed a lot. I was probably numbing the pain. Um, the truth was I was a little bit of a follower. Um, and so even while I maybe wanted to be a good kid, um, you know, I, I went along, along with the crowd. Whatever my friends were doing, that's kind of what I did. And so there came a, a moment where I had a girlfriend, and, you know, boyfriends, girlfriends, what they do, all right? And, <laughs> well, yeah, who asked? <laughs> uh, in essence, the protection broke. And in that moment, it was like, my life flashed before my eyes. Because, like I said earlier with that quote, what comes into mind when you think about God, what I thought in those moments was God's going to curse me. God's going to make it so that she's pregnant, that I, skip, I won't be able to go to college. 
I'm going to have to drop out of school because I'm going to marry her, even though I don't love her, but I'm not going to not be there for my kid. And so I just began to pick. This is the lens that I saw God through, that he was this hard, like, taskmaster who's just waiting. I'm waiting for you, Scott. As soon as you mess up, you're going to get it, right? And, and the reality, though, is some of us still see God that way. It's like we're Christians who come to church every week, but it's actually because like, we're scared that if we don't, something bad might happen to us. And so um, she ended up, so during that time, I made a deal with God, though. I said, God, if you make it so that she's not pregnant, I promise I will quit everything. I'll stop doing it all, and I'll follow after you. And so it, it kind of came a few weeks later. She came to me and she said, I, I'm not pregnant. And I said, wow, okay. And so I had kind of two choices in that moment. I could be like, all right, maybe God had nothing to do with this. Maybe she was never pregnant in the, the first place. But I, I had this conviction that like, no, now is the time. And, and so I said, I, literally it was like everything I just, I was like, I stopped drinking, I stopped drugs, I stopped being with my girlfriend, I stopped all this stuff, turned, stopped cursing, stopped, threw away my secular music. I was like, bye, Wu-Tang, bye. <laughs> oh, ODB. <sighs> but this, this is actually in a time, though, where the, like, uh, Christian music had some good stuff. So I actually began to find some Christian music, like hardcore, like rock and rap. I was like, oh my gosh, these guys are good. Um, but so I turned my life around because I was going to stay true to what I said to God. And I also had to like stop my friendships. Because uh, I knew in order for me to succeed, I, I couldn't be like, yeah, I'm going to go to the party, hang out with my friends, but I'm, I'm just not going to drink, or I'm not going to smoke tonight. Or, I knew that that would only last so long, and I knew in order for me to solidify the change in my life, I actually had to, to come away and say, I'm sorry, guys. And so my parents did have this strong conviction for us. They said, um, as long as you live under our house, you do have to go to church at least once a week. And so the church that we were part of, Charismatic Church, but smaller, didn't have a, a big youth group. So there was this big youth group that had a lot, a lot of cute girls. <laughs> and so that's the church that I chose to go to, me and my brother. We'd, we'd, we'd sit on the back row, right? And as soon as church was over, we'd be like, skirt, give me that flyer. So that I could be like, look, mom, we were there. And so then after I made this decision, I was like, I, I stayed. I didn't just jet out the door. And I actually began to, to, to meet people and get invited to things and began to surround myself around with people, right people that were going to help me walk in my faith. And uh, so much so that in the next couple years, it was like I made the decision that, I mean, I was like, I'm going to be a youth pastor. I did an internship. I went to Bible school, all this stuff. Um, and I, in, in those times, right, my, what I thought of God was changing. I no longer saw him as this mean, vengeful God that wanted to catch me and snare me and trap me. I saw him as a loving God who wanted the best for me, who wanted to give me life and life abundantly. So that question, right, do we really believe that God loves us and that he wants the best for us? If we don't, 
it's going to be very difficult to love him back. We'll live our life with a guarded heart, always kind of afraid to, to, to give it out or to trust people. Um, but when we realize that he loved us and pursue, pursued us long before, long before you ever said yes to him, he was after you. So 1 John 4, 7, 8 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Like I said earlier, the lens of our heart will determine how we see God in the world around us. See, if we want to reach a city, we can't just do it standing on a street corner with a side. Gays are going to burn in hell, right? If you don't turn, you're going to burn, right? I, I, I mean, if you've never seen it, uh, like, it's the most off-putting, evil thing. It's like you are doing more damage to the kingdom of God. Please stop. What are you doing? You know, well, or, or, or do you think you're going to win your, your, your family members by getting into an argument on Twitter or Facebook? Oh, yeah, Trump, he's going to save us all. No, Trump is not going to save anybody. Only Jesus is going to save us, okay? I know we just had politics, and we just voted yesterday and stuff like that, but politics are not going to save us. The church, when it finally gets this point right, when it finally understands that we are loved, that we love him and we love people, we have the power to change this state. We have the power to change this country. And so... <clears throat> I, I, I just want to clarify, it's like we will vote because we want to put people who believe in the right things in right places, but we don't look to them to be our savior. And, and when the wrong person gets put in place, here's another question. The Bible says we're supposed to love our enemies, right? Are we praying for Joe Biden? Are we, or do we just sit there and bash him? Look at that idiot up there, can't say another thing. If we're, if we're, I'm sorry, I'm going to step on all your toes. The Bible says that we're to pray for our leaders. What if by your prayers, we're beginning to shift things, even in the White House, with the wrong person? Let's get this together. Let's start it with ourselves first. So talking about the lens of your heart. So a few years ago, there was a movie called Exodus, Gods and Kings. And uh, it's a movie by Ridley Scott to star Christian Bale. It's like, Batman's going to be Moses? What? This is going to be sick. Man, I saw the Ten Commandments. That was legit. Now a modern take on it. And, and most of you probably can't even remember the movie. Either that or it just was unforgettable, right? So the director and the people, it's like, I, I do remember this about the movie. Christian Bale is having a conversation with God, and God took the form of a little kid. And this little kid is like throwing a little temper tantrum. I'm like, God, Moses, I'm telling you, I'm going to do this stuff. And it was just like, I was like, ah. This is the lens that this director and this writer see God as. 
No wonder this movie isn't going to do anything great. The, uh, right? The, the heart is so off. You have this epic tale, but it's seen through the wrong lens. You see God as this angry, vengeful little kid throwing a temper tantrum. Guess what? It's gonna, not going to change anything. Not going to change anyone's life. Matthew 7, 22, 23 says, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Man, when I read that scripture, I get convicted. Because what it's telling me is it's not all about the things that we can do for God. He's not after your service. He's not after your money. He's after your heart. He loves you, and that's what matters most to him because he knows that if he has your heart, all that other stuff is just going to come naturally. He knows that if he has your heart, that he can use you to change the world and not just by being a person that's going to set up chairs, but by being a person that's going to extend a reaching hand in somebody's moment of crisis when they actually need somebody to love on them, not preach at them. So my first point is just this. We have to return to love. So, Revelations, well, I, I, I told you guys 2 4, so I kind of just wanted to read it the verse before it so you can get it once again. God's talking, and He's talking to the church in Ephesus, and He's telling them, He tells them at first, like, I know your works. In verse 2, He says, Your labor, your patience. Oh, wait, is that? Oh, I told you guys the wrong verse. Oh, you, no, you had it. All right. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say that they are apostles and are not, and you have found them liars. Next verse. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored, labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Once again, if you're just reading this, you're like, man, this church is awesome, right? But then what does he say? But nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. It's the danger of this life of being a Christian, is that we can get caught up in doing all the things for God, that we miss out that relationship with God. So you see, if we ever expect to reach this city, it can't be with systems, it can't be with formulas or good intentions. It actually has to be with a people that love people, where they're at, not when they get it right, not when they get it perfect, not when they get it all together, but love them where they're at. Love them through what they're going through to see the best in them. That's one of the things that, man, I love about Pastor Jurgen our senior pastor, is you cannot go away from an exchange with Pastor Jurgen without just feeling like, I don't know who he is. Like, every time I, I hang out with him, I'm like, is he blind? Like, he's talking about me, but it's like, it's not me. He's saying all these good things about all these things that I, I'm good at and talented at. And, and I just walk away, and I'm just like, how can... Cause, right, because I see all my failures. I see all my wrongs. I see all, all everything that's wrong with me. And yet here he comes and he sees the best in you. And I'm like, man, that's how God is. 
he's not looking at everything that's wrong with you. He's looking at everything that's right with you, everything that you could become. 1 Corinthians 13.1 says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become a, a, a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Bang, 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 bang! Did that feel good, huh? Maybe got your attention, that guy that was sleeping back there. But I guarantee you nobody was like, that felt like love. Don't you feel loved after that? So I want us to begin to ask these questions. Am I truly in love with God? Does my life reflect that of a person truly changed by his love? Have, do I invite him into every area of my life? Second point is we have to walk in love. John 13, 35 says, By this all will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Not just the lovable, not just our children or our spouse, but if we love one another. Of course, right, the people in this room, but what about the people outside? What about the people on the street that we come in contact at our work? You know, my, my mom, she had this epiphany after however many years she's been on the earth. She said, you know, Scott, there are some Christian or non-Christians at my work that are more loving and more caring than I am. And it, 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 was, it was like she just had this moment where she was like, that shouldn't be. I should be known as the most loving, caring, giving, generous person in this place of business. Not the, the person who doesn't even believe in God. Me. That's how they're going to know we're Christians is by our love. So how do we know that someone is love? If someone is in love. Have you, has anybody, raise show of hands, has anybody ever been in love? Right? It's, it's so easy. They got a permagram. Like, they just walk into a room and they're like, the daisies. Ah. And, you know, you're from, ooh, what's, oh, somebody must have went on a date, right? Or tell me everything, girl. He picked me up in his 92 Honda Civic. Oh, wait, I had a 94. I had a 94 Honda Civic. Uh, he opened the door for me. And the, the feelings, right? It's, it's, you just have to be around this person. You want to be around this person. You know, so there's actually a little bit of science to this. Did you know that their hormones are released? that give you that love feeling. And so they say that it's, it's about two years that you will feel that. You know, it's just that, that you're like you're sitting next to them and they touch, she touched my leg. <sighs> hey, where'd your mind go? Where'd your mind go? I just had to go to the bathroom. I just... You know, so that's why I think, uh, I think as uh, Christians, you, should, you shouldn't have these long engagements. You should get married before the two-year mark, right? 
So that way you can enjoy uh, your first year of marriage still in love. <laughs> no. But, <laughs> but the reality is, though, is when you, after you've been married for quite a long time, right? Go, how long are we going, babe? 15 years? 15 years, right? Now it's like, it's like, I got my love seat chair, and she's got her own recliner, and we're, 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 we're it's far enough away where we can't even reach hands, and, and it's just kind of like, do you want to watch, do you want to watch Love is, Love is Blind? Sure, okay. And that's about it, right? And so, it's actually, though, there comes a point where it becomes actually, you have to work. It's what things have you begin to put in place in order to see your relationship still thrive. Because you no longer just have the lovey-dovey feelings. Those little things that you once thought were cute, like, oh, he just left the toilet seat up again. That's okay, I'll put it down. <laughs> after, after three years of marriage, if you don't put down that toilet seat, <sighs> You will die. <laughs> Those cute little things aren't so cute anymore. Right? And so we have to continue to, to find ways to love each other, to make each other a priority, to speak life about each other, to bless each other, to see the best, not the worst. It's easy to pick out the worst in anybody. But that same thing with a relationship or a marriage, right, is the same thing with God. I guarantee you, when you first got saved, you were just like, I'm going to go change the world. I'm going to be at every single service. I'm gonna, I don't care. I'm gonna, I'll put up chairs for 45 hours. Right. And then after 10 years, you're like, oh, gosh. Oh, I guess I should go to Wednesday night because that's what I'm supposed to do. Sorry. It's true, though, right? <laughs> Some people are looking at me like, Dang it. <laughs> the Holy Spirit told him what I said tonight. <clears throat> ah. <laughs> Matthew 22, 36 through 40. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second, like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law in the prophets. All the law, not just the Ten Commandments. There was like 600 commandments that actually the Jews were given like, don't touch shellfish. Don't look at shellfish. Don't bathe a, a goat. In, don't cook a goat in its own milk. Like, I don't get how that has to do with loving your neighbor. But, but he's saying you could, you could throw them all away. And if you just do these two things, love me and love people, not only will you change your world, you'll change the world at large. You'll change the world around. Point number three is after we've walked in that love, we've got to pour out the love. 
And you can only pour out as much as you've received. You can only pour out as much as you have to give. If you've been burning the wick at both ends, right? If you've been just striving to do it in your own strength, if you've just been doing it just because you're supposed to, you're going to have nothing. So as soon as you're driving on the road and somebody forgets to use their blinker, why don't you use your blinker? I can't read your mind. What are you doing? And your, your wife's looking at you like, hey, Mr. Agro, you want to you wanna calm down? Right? I'm guessing the love tank might be a little low. Right? If the smallest little thing that your kid does sets you off, your love tank might be a little low. And it's those moments that you have to say, you know what, I think I need some time with Jesus. I think I need to recalibrate. I need to recenter. I need to return to love because I'm not walking in love. And if I can't walk in love, I can't pour out love. Luke 747 says, Therefore I tell you, how many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown? But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. So at that moment, there was a woman that was washing Jesus' feet. And they're like, what in the world? She just, that, that, that vial of perfume could have been sold and given to the poor. What a waste. But she had been forgiven so much. <laughs> there was nothing of value in her life that she wasn't willing to give at that point to her Lord and Savior. It's, sometimes it's like when we forget how much we've been forgiven of, and we just think, well, oh, God didn't answer this prayer that I, you know, I was, I was bleeding for a raise at work and I didn't get it. You know, it's like we, we've, we've lost sight of that true thing that we're meant to walk in. It's not about just your status or, you know, how big your home is or how, how nice a car you drive, right? That's not a, a, an equivalence of how blessed you are. Now, there's blessing in there. But if your marriage is falling apart, if your kids are off the rails and don't love God, and they're, they're out on the streets, but yet you've got a big two, three-story home and a nice car, I'd say that something's off. I'd say that your priorities are gone. God's not going to ask us in the end, how, how, how many homes did you buy? Like I said before, he's going to say, did, I, did you love me? Did I actually know you? Did you listen to my voice? Were you obedient to the things that I called you to? What did you do with the gifts I gave you, the talents? Did you just throw them in a box somewhere? Or did you use them to make my name famous in the earth? Not even in the earth, man. To, just to reach your neighbor. You know, I, sometimes I hate these, these garages, right? We have these garages attached to our house. And it's like you just pull into your house, open the garage door with a button, don't have to ever get out of your car, pull into your garage, close the door. I, I can probably count on my hand how many times I've seen my neighbor. And when that happens, right, it's like I'm living right next door to somebody. And, like, I don't even know their kids' names. I, 
I've never invited them to church. Not even invite them to church, honestly. Invite them over for some dinner. Start there. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. We're called to love our enemies. And that's a little hard if the love tank's full. We're called to pray for our leaders. That's a little hard when we don't like what they're doing, but it's what we're called to do. You know, uh, a few weeks ago, I was sitting in, over here in the conference room and I was doing some work and I saw a police officer pull right up. And I'm like, uh-oh, what'd you do, Dakota? <laughs> At that moment, she's like, you never saw this. <clears throat> And all of a sudden I run out to the hallway and he's coming in. He's like, there's one of our kids are in your courtyard. And I'm like, there's a, there's a school over here for, for troubled kids. And uh, I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, let's, let's go out here. And we go out here to this courtyard and I see a trash can knocked over. We don't see a kid. And um, he just like, oh, he must have already hopped the wall. And he, and he comes racing out. And I go to pick up the trash can and I, I put it up, and I'm like, oh, maybe he hopped over, hit the trash can. And as I'm walking back, I look over, and there's a tree right here. And all of a sudden, I see this dangling leg. And I'm like, oh, that little sucker. <laughs> and then I go around the tree a little, and I'm like, oh, he's sitting on the wall. But he was blocked by the tree, so we didn't see him. And so I go over, and he's like, I'm not on your property. I'm not on your property. And I'm like, yeah, but you're not where you should be right now. And so I just kind of waited there until the officer came out on this side. And I'm like, hey, officer, he's over here. And, and he, the kid's just swearing at me. He's angry at me. And uh, the officer comes. He's like, get off that wall, or I will rip you off that wall. And uh, so the kid gets down. Kid, you know, this, I mean, he's sweet. If you just saw him, he was just saying, this 11, 12-year-old little white boy, just as cute as all can be, like, but he's just spewing the most vile, ugly hatred. And he's spewing it at me. He's like, I'm coming to your house. I'm going to do stuff to your what? Like, all this stuff. And, and as he's being handcuffed, I, I turn around and I'm like, God, what can I possibly say? Because everything inside you, when you're hearing those insults at you, you just want to be like, oh, yeah, you're, you're, look who's in handcuffs now, right? I'm going to come to your house. And I'm going to eat your Cheetos. But I just looked at him, dead in his eyes. And I was like, Jesus, what can I say? What can I say? And I just said, one day you're going to realize that everybody you've been fighting against, running from, actually do care about you. And I'm hoping that one day you're actually going to come back to this building when it's appropriate time and you're going to experience life here. And then he said something else. But I know that that was God in that moment returning not hate for hate but hate for love so that when he went home that night that those words were going to be ringing in his head 
That was my prayer. As I got, I prayed that those words would just ring through his head, ring through his head. Though I haven't seen him come through these doors yet, I'm still believing that he will. I'm still believing that he's going to realize that people do care and love about him and are fighting for him, not against him. So today, what I want to leave us with is I want us all to ask ourselves that question. God, do I love you the way that you love me? Do I see you as the loving father that you are? Or do I see you as some form and shadow of my earthly father? Do I see you as a mean taskmaster? master, Or do I see you as a, a sniveling kid throwing temper tantrums? Or do I see you as the, the great romancer? The great lover who... who if you think about it, he wrote the Song of Solomon and then put it in his book. I don't know if you ever read the Song of Solomon. You don't hear most people read that book in the church. It's got some freaky stuff in it, all right? But it's the Bible. And it's not just about a man in a relationship with a woman. It's actually about God, the way he feels about his church and about you. So tonight... Everybody just bow your head, close your eyes. The question that I want you to walk away with is will you return to your first love? Will you seek him? Will you let his love pour over you? God, I thank you tonight, Lord God, that you loved us so much that you sent your son to this earth your only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him shall have everlasting life and Lord God that if you wouldn't spare your own son for us what could we possibly give back to to show you how much we love you Help us, Lord God, to reach ourselves, our families, this city and this season, to see people through your eyes, to take those moments to pause and actually listen to what you're saying. We thank you for it right now, Jesus. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.